Welcome to Soul Stirrings, a podcast where all things regarding faith, communication, and culture are considered. I'm your host, Paul Patton, and here's hoping for at least a couple of grins and maybe one strange amen. In this podcast, we'll focus for a second time on the ninth fruit of the Spirit, self-control. The biblical framework for understanding the necessity, the facility, and beautiful brilliance of self-control might begin by asserting that it is not about rigidity and straight lacedness. I mean, you can still go to the party, if you will. Self-control, though, is necessary to fight against a narcissistic focus of me-first, period. It is essential in working through the Christian mandate of loving others, perpetually pondering the means and responsibility to serve our relationships, our community, our churches, our nation for the greater good. For instance, unselfishness requires self-control. Loving sacrificially requires self-control. Relationally preserving patience requires self-control. Consistent kindness requires self-control. Faithfulness to a benevolent purpose requires self-control. Self-control, a work of the Spirit of God in our life's garden, triggers the freedoms and powers necessary to serve the greater good of our relationships, our families, our churches, and communities. Self-control helps to trigger the freedoms that serve the greater good. But controlling oneself from what? One category is simply to be self-controlled enough to avoid what the New Testament describes as selfish ambition. If ambition is simply a common grace of God given to his human creation to build and protect the present and future of relationships, family, and community, selfish ambition is the narcissistically singular focus on oneself only. And of course, this contrasts with the biblical emphasis of looking out for the best interest of others. The epistle of James, usually ascribed as written by the younger brother of Jesus, one who would become the Christian bishop of Jerusalem, one who would be martyred three decades after his brother is crucified, repeatedly asserts that self-control is predominantly associated with being able to control one's tongue, the words that come out of our mouth. And he declares in chapter 3 that no one can control it. James implies that self-control is often directly tied to being able to guide and guard our words expressed, words especially turmoiled by anger, disappointment, or frustration. James even describes the tongue and the words it launches in chapter 3, verse 8, as a restless evil full of deadly poison. But restless about what? Perhaps restless about wanting to set people straight of our own significance, hovering, cocksure, ready to pounce on someone for even the slightest agitative murmur that doesn't affirm our self-invoked status. Restless and trigger-ready to dismiss anyone who doesn't confirm the wisdom of our theological or political opinions. 
We might respond angrily to someone who doesn't reinforce our sense of self, particularly in categories of self-promoting prominence. Now think about the last time you said something to someone you wished you hadn't said. What prompted it? And how soon after the words left your lips did you realize it was best left unsaid, or at least with less venom? And think about how a little more self-control might have helped. Now in my next podcast, I'll focus on the practical tips for cultivating a healthy self-control, this ninth fruit of the Spirit. Thanks so much for joining me on Soul Stirrings. Thank you.